everything is marketing, marketing is everything. We're marketing to, to get the new patient in, sure, but we want to get the returning patient back as a 10-year annuity on top of the new patients that come in six months from now, 12 months from now, 18 months from now. This is Growth in Dentistry, a dental intelligence podcast where we ask the question, what does growth in dentistry look like to you? I'm Katie Polson, a dental hygienist and your host. Welcome to another episode of Growth in Dentistry. I'm Katie Polson, and we our theme for April was on marketing your practice, and we are now into May, but I just couldn't let the opportunity for our audience to hear um, from John Christensen from Chris Ad. So before we get to that, I just wanted to rate, uh, remind you to rate and review this podcast. Uh, we read every one of them and come join our Facebook dental intelligence community um, and come join like-minded data nerds and we can come learn from one another. So that being said, we're so excited to have John Christensen from Chris Ad. Um, if you know, even, uh, even a pinky's worth about marketing, you've probably heard about Chris Ad. So we're really excited to have him, have him here. So welcome, please, right, uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself um, and how you, how you got into this crazy world of marketing and marketing uh-huh. and dentistry. Well, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm just a, just a marketing guy. Right. But, you know, I started out going straight out of undergraduate school into, into law school and boom and all, you know, but I, by the time I was in law school, I was running all sorts of ridiculously uh, powerful marketing entities uh, while I was in law school. And I just said, what the heck, what am I doing? So I looked for the best marketing graduate program I thought in the world that I could figure out at the time using the Dewey decimal system or whatever. And I ended up at <laughs> Northwestern university, <laughs> Northwestern university in their graduate school of advertising and, and marketing and uh, spent a year there. And, you know, I, I, it was during a recession it was 1980 and there, I got jobs out in New York, but they weren't great jobs, jobs in Chicago, but I took a kind of a really crappy job in, in Los Angeles. But, you know, before I knew it, I was doing side work uh, that was pretty significant. I was making money as an independent contractor. So I had a couple bucks laying around because one of my photos won a worldwide contest and I saved money from in the past and so forth. And I started a company from nothing in 1980 to, to do marketing for whoever would pay me to do marketing. And before I knew it, uh, I was working with a bunch of dentists and the odd thing was even going back 42 years is some dentists that I would do what was in by my training, the best marketing in the world for these uh, practices. Some guys would tenfold increase in size and some guys would actually decline after the marketing. And, you know, in, in the advertising agency world, which I'm kind of brought up into is you're supposed to sort of wash your hands of the whole thing and just say, what the heck? And, and, uh, walk away from it but it's it uh i really couldn't do that it didn't seem right didn't seem fair because you know how good is marketing going to be if if something is that's kind of unknown is causing it to work in some cases and then down the road not work and we wanted to know the variables on that so we've been doing massive research uh massive database mining for 42 years to figure out what's going on what the differences are so you know we we're now i guess we're in seven eight countries and every state we got 1500 clients or so all we do is dentistry i found out around 82 i was the only guy to do this so i go this is pretty exciting to be the only guy and you know preference theoretically the largest guy and we we had all this we could take all of our 
all of our assets in from this industry and funnel it into one research central area. So we do so much research, it's ridiculous. We have massive amount of data and we help our guys like crazy. We commonly will take a scratch office, meaning from zero to 400,000 first month. The fastest one we ever grew was up to a million dollars first month. We, you know, we, we've exceeded a thousand new patients first month on scratch offices. We have many clients that now grow by uh, well over uh, $5 million a year. Um, we've just started a lot of what's now the largest practices in the world and manage them still and have a lot of fun doing it. It's really, really fun. It's a good story. Yeah, it's it really, yeah it really is. <laughs> it's so, fun. And I love working with Dennis. These guys are great. I'm honored to work alongside of them. Um, and I'm, my mission now and our company's mission now is basically taking care of them. Uh, from a, almost a humanitarian perspective, because if they stay in the chair too long, Katie, as you know, mm -hmm. it's not real good. So we have to get them out of the chair and have their incomes increase. So yeah, that a lot lately. Yeah, really great. Well, so uh, a few weeks back, Jen and I had a, a, an opportunity, a really great conversation to talk about um, practices and marketing. And he sent over this amazing list that one day we'll do a webinar and we'll talk about the 12 ways that all of these awesome things that we talked about, but I just wanted to focus on a couple of them today. Um, and we're going to talk mainly about patients in the practice and what you were referring to, which is getting doctors to, I don't, I, the, the term work smarter, not harder is so overused, but that's yeah. kind of what we're talking about today. So yeah. Let's start, I guess, first with learning to attract like the very best patients. Well, it's not only attracting them, it's yeah. also keeping them too. Uh, because if, if you've, you've attracted this asset that is, that is worth X dollars, if they come back every year, our data shows that their, their value per year is, is worth exactly the same, if not slightly more, every, every year they return. So the new patients is one part of the formula, but returning patients is actually a, a more important part of the formula. So yeah. yeah pretty easy to get them. All you have to do is just market to them and uh, invite them in using scientifically proven, you know, word strings and colors and pictures and so forth and so on. It's most likely to get them in. We use media that reach actually reaches out and grabs the marketplace. Um, and uh, we have to, then we have to make sure the appointments are available for them that they want these days. And as I'll show you here in a second, the marketplace is completely shifted with regards to their, oh, wow, I can't move this anymore. Oh well. Oh well. I can't access my screen. So, anyway, the 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 data shows that um, new patients are slightly more valuable than returning patients, and there's overwhelming data, not only in terms of research that what the marketplace tells us they want and are going to accept, uh, versus uh, 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 and also looking also at the data out of thousands of offices is they basically, they meaning the public, uh, will not take off work or school to go to a dentist anymore for a cleaning, and it's, but it's through the cleaning that the work is found and the referral occurs. So, you know, our practices that do the best, uh, we've, we've isolated through our database studies that uh, the people who come in in the evenings and weekends are about three times as valuable than ones uh, middle of the day, middle of the week. Their insurance maximums are far more likely to be far higher and I can give you the specifics if you ever want. And uh, they, their insurance reimbursement is far higher uh, per procedure to the practice too. So we focus on getting these wealthy subsector of the marketplace into the practice. Um, the ones that are essentially nine to five, Monday through Friday practices are really swimming upstream. It's a tough deal. Um, 
there's not much that can be done to get the American public or really the world public in a dental practice to take off work or take off school um, to go to a dentist. For instance, just the other day, my eight-year-old, we took her out of school to go up to Tahoe or something for a half hour early or something. They sent me a truancy notice. Now, our school district is not the most impoverished school district in the world. <laughs> so if, if I'm getting it, uh, it means everyone else is getting them too because they don't get their federal money if the kids get taken out of school. Uh, massive pressure for people to not let their employees take off work. Uh, and then we, when we survey tens of thousands of uh, consumers over multiple years, they're basically telling us there's no way in the world, if I'm working, then I'm going to take off work to go to the dentist. You better give me an evening employment. You better give me a weekend employment or you're not going to see me. So this holds true. This, this is corroborated uh, by uh, horrible retention numbers in these practices. They, they, if you'd like me to talk about that, it's really the heart of the whole deal. Is you, you can't get a doctor out of the chair if they don't, A, get the new patient flow in, but also keep the patients cumulatively over the years. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think it's valuable to talk about that because I think when we talk about marketing, so much of it is focused on bringing people in, but the yeah. retention aspect is that, or like you said, the, the most important part. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Because it's like, if you got to, if you get, you know, our common practice will get maybe, let's say 1500, 1700 new patients a year. And those have an average value in the United States of around $1.3 million at normative data, uh, data levels. And if you take those guys and don't nurture them and manage them properly, it's like taking a $1.3 million sack of gold and throwing it out in the bay or something. It's, it's really ridiculous. But it's just they're so mismanaged, it's not even funny. Now, so you guys will understand that over the past four decades, five decades in the academic world of marketing, there's no longer such a thing as advertising. It doesn't really exist anymore without an understanding of the integrated components related to what the advertising is actually selling. In other words, if the, in simple terms, is if, the, if, if I do the best marketing in the world, using the best media in the world, but the, but the office that I'm marketing doesn't answer the phones at all or properly or has no appointments that, uh, that the marketplace wants that are immediately available, uh, nothing's going to happen to the practice. So everything has to be managed uh, from an integrated perspective long-term. And any marketing you do to get new patients in the door also has to be marketing to get existing patients to return because why spend money on marketing to get new patients when statistically and cumulatively returning patients are more valuable. So in other words, you keep a, you got to say a new patient in a practice, average new patient in a practice is worth around $800 in the United States. Uh, that's actuarially shown. In other words, on it, some guys will be, you'll go all day and have a bunch of zeros and you'll have a 5,000 and then you'll have a right. 2,000, but the average will be around eight, around 800 in the United States. So you get a thousand of those patients, you know, that's 800,000 bucks, but it's 800,000 bucks over a 10 year period, puts it closer to like around 8 million bucks. Um, it's a lot of money to, to not pay close attention to. It's a marketing asset that has to be managed. And if the doctor, the dear doctor who's working too hard these days and not thinking straight because they're working too hard doesn't understand that we have to retain these patients cumulatively into the future, then it's an asset. It's like a, it's like a, it's a stock certificate or it's a sack of gold or a sack of diamonds. They have to manage these guys right so that they'll understand, you know, basically ways by which they can 
add more associate doctors to very easily replace their current income. And if it keeps going as a compounding annuity, sooner or later, you're going to find that the, 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 that one doctor who was working his tail off, his income's doubled or tripled, and he doesn't have to be in the chair. And we have many hundreds of practices that have done this, and we're very proud and happy for this. Uh, many of our guys don't even live in the same state where they practice, and rarely go to their office, um, but they just basically have great managers that are properly compensated, great staff that are properly compensated. By the way, the best uh, managerial system is a good incentive system. And they just, <laughs> I'm just telling you, and because I've been watching, you know, I usually see about a thousand practices a year, uh, mostly in office. I go, I go out every day. I'm going to uh, Nashville on Monday. Um, I was in Italy yesterday, but that's another deal. But I go <laughs> everywhere. I go everywhere always to see how these guys are doing. I love these guys. It's very important to me. But, but if they, uh, you know, if they don't figure out how to retain their patients and, and get, uh, get associates there it's not going to be a nice outcome for them it's not good at all yeah go ahead just touch on uh, on two things here I, I love that you focus on this first of all john a lot of marketers don't no um and you know you could say a dentist could say hey i will be happy i'll be growing at the rate that i want to if i get to 100 new patients a month and what they don't realize is that you know if let's say they maintain the status quo they're reappointing at 80 percent you reach a you reach an active patient base where 100 new patients a month is keeping you the exact same as the number of patients that are walking out the door because you're not paying attention to the back door. They don't know the back door, right? They don't unless you know it and can track it and yeah. are focusing on it and are focusing on the appointment that creates the experience that no one wants to walk out the back door. Yeah. Then you you're going to have to continue new patient growth to try to grow at the same rate that you've been growing rather than retaining patients. So it's a hamster wheel. It, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I, lo I love that you've pointed that out. Yeah. 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 All marketing has to be cognizant of the, of the importance of retaining the patients and remarketing to the existing patient base. But the biggest failures I sense you, you understand Adam is the, the practices reluctance to add appointments that allows the returning patients to return when they want to plus uh, to allow the new patients to get in when they need to as well. So that failure is where most of the, most of the attrition in practice, uh, practice growth will occur. Yeah. We, we have like around 60 uh, practices a month that, that come to us and want us to help them grow. And almost every one of them has a declining hygiene department. And so if they got whatever flow of new patients they had over the previous year, whether it's even if it's like five a month, it's still 50, it's still 60. And if that's not added on in the next year or six months later, um, that's where the real issue lies with a lot of these guys. So this is, this is what we call integrated marketing. Everything, everything is marketing, marketing is everything. We're marketing to, to get the new patient in, sure, but we want to get the returning patient back as a 10 year annuity on top of the new patients that come in six months from now. 12 months from now, 18 months from now, things like that. This is where the fun really happens. That's how these, these guys are getting out of the chair and increasing their income and living in uh, Florida or wherever the hell they want to live. They, they, they can do that. It's, but it's, it's, it's scientifically micromanaging this process, which is, which is providing wonderful rewards, wonderful rewards. We're so proud of it and so happy with these guys. Very happy. That's awesome. I, I it's really fun, man. Yeah. 
that is that's the fun part is to see yes. them grow the way they're they're hoping to grow. Um, well, yeah, I mean, we're you know we're treated we're treated like you know <laughs> like family or celebrities or something everywhere we go. If, if if they do what we tell them to do, there's never been a case where the practice hasn't done well. I mean, extraordinarily well, yeah. largest in their area, uh, largest in their state. Um, but the real key is is as Katie and I were talking a couple of weeks ago is we don't want to see these dear doctors who were kind of like extraordinarily well educated in the area of clinical care, which is just such a blessing. And they're, they're such wonderful clinicians and wonderful people. We don't want to see them get blindsided by some pretty basic and fundamental business opportunities. They really weren't qualified to, or, or educated to understand. We, it's our job to teach them these things in ways they understand and implement them in the practices so that we, the marketing, new marketing patient we get stays in the practice for a 10 year, 10 year span rather than just one, one, one and done, which never make any sense. And on top of that, not, not that they're not educated to get it or want to get it, but getting that information out of their practice management system, if that's all they're using oh, yeah. is next to impossible. We, we, we wouldn't have been able to do it with these, without these great uh, practice management systems. We can't right now. We'll, and I will routinely print out lists of patients that have been in the practice for five last five years and by name, phone number, address, cell phone number, email address. And it'll, we print it on a stack of paper and commonly the stack of paper is that big. And, and we'll plop it on their desk and say, these are guys that, you know, when came into your practice and they haven't come back and they should come back, but they don't have a future appointment. They haven't been in eight months. What's the deal here? You're not pre-appointing properly. You're not expanding your capacities properly. And then commonly the value of these, these stacks will be well in excess of $10 million. Mm -hmm. And they're worried about what they have to pay a hygienist or something, you know, extra, yeah. extra thousand dollars a month or something. It just <laughs> yeah. doesn't make any sense. And the pathway, the pathway, which is most important to me is these dear, dear doctors are able to get out of the, out of the chair, reduce their chair time. See what happens when they work too hard. And I've done this more than anybody in the world. I can tell you the, the, the problem is, is these guys don't think as straight and clearly as they would if they weren't and putting their fingers in people's stinky mouths all day long. It's, it's really a pain in the butt that I didn't realize. And most dentists didn't realize how tough a deal it is. It hurts their backs, hurts their arms, their eyes don't focus. It's not as much fun as they thought it would be when they were in high school or undergraduate school. It's not, we want to give them the opportunity to, to step away and let younger people do it, but not have their income be mitigated. And we're very proud of the accomplishments we've, yeah, we've made in that area. Very, very proud. To be proud of. Yeah, yeah. I'm really, real happy with it. Why I still do this. It's my 42nd year. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I don't, really? do we have time for, yeah. So yeah. one, one thing that I feel like we glanced over a little bit, but that's a little bit counterintuitive to probably what, the majority of our, our listeners and the majority of dentists in general do is you mentioned, so let's say I'm a dentist that I don't have enough patients to fill an entire week's schedule. My, huh. What I typically see is I'm going to contract my hours. I'll usually start at the same time. So eight and I'll contract to three or two. And now this is opposite of what you're, you're suggesting yeah. because I'm just getting less and less hours available when people are available. Yeah. So talk to me about that transition. It's a, it's a great, it's a great question. Adam. Thanks yeah. so much, man. I appreciate it. it. It is, it is suicidal to contract your hygiene schedule. It's inherent that in your number of your hygiene exams will decrease 
<laughs> so it's really unlikely that your practice is going to grow. You know, they, some of these guys take a look at things from a perspective of profitability and they, they're too tightly wound on the bottom line. And, and it just, it's suicidal to do that stuff. You have to sort of invest in the future in order to have a better future. And you're not going to be, you know, making millions by look at pennies on the floor. So essentially the, in short, long and short of it is, is that the, the dental marketplace, the dental public, there's about roughly 80% are in working and are in school that will not take off work or school to go to the dentist. So if you try to fill a midday, midweek schedule, again, like I said earlier, you're swimming upstream. It really isn't going to happen. We don't see it working anywhere. Uh, maybe a couple of retirement areas here or there, or something like that. But 99% of the marketplace, just forget it. In fact, we're running studies right now to justify the recommendation of shutting down the practice for hygiene between the hours around 10 and uh, four o'clock. Many of our practices do. Our fastest growing practices don't do hygiene between 10 and four, 10 and three around through there because cancellation no-show rate's so high and the, the production per hygiene check is so low. It's about a third uh, of that of the evening and the weekends on average. So why, why, why push a rope uphill? Doesn't make sense. So if they're trying to fill those schedules, it's not gonna happen. But if you, I can make a guarantee to anybody any time that if they open up an evening schedule for hygiene, don't, don't say stupid things on the phone, just clean the, clean the phones up and, and open up a Saturday schedule or whatever, we'll fill 100% of the chairs uh, every time. We, we do it all day long everywhere. And these are the best patients. You do the work nine to five, Monday through Friday, but you do the hygiene checks on the weekends and the evenings. Our practices that uh, are that have all chairs, all hygiene after about 5.30 in the evening weekdays and have you know, all chairs. We have some up to 18, 20, 25, 35 chairs, all hygiene, all weekends. Uh, these are the ones that are growing by $5 million a year because A, patients won't cancel as much. They'll still cancel, not as much, but yeah. B, the, the, the probability of higher production per hygiene check is much greater during these evenings and weekends and they just prosper. They just yeah. prosper. And as the practices, we had one up in Toronto go to just the last month, go to 1.35 million per chair per year on a 12, uh, one, sorry, one point, yeah, 1.35 million per chair per year on a 12 chair practice. And we have a lot of them at a million dollars wow. per chair per year, but they're not going to do that with a midday, midweek hygiene schedule. It, it, yeah. it's, it's the people who make the most money, have the best insurance, have them Copays don't matter to them because they make so much money. They don't got a time. They don't have time to bicker with you. They trust you more, things like that. And, yeah. And they have to be pre-appointed to those hours too. So you alluded earlier, Adam, to an 80% or 90% or 100% pre-appointment uh, statistic. That statistic on its face is not as valid as a statistic that will take into consideration that of the overall percentage that are pre-appointed, you've got to have around 80% pre-appointed into weekends or evenings. Otherwise your retention will fall apart, unfortunately, because yeah. that's not only what the public's telling us definitively, uh, but that's how they're acting. Thank God for your databases. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. shows us how they're acting. They cancel, they yeah. no show, don't come back. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So it's very yeah, counterintuitive it's, and I'm, yes. I, you know, it's I'm very bad news, but I'm sorry. Uh, yes, I was going to say, it's not, it's not something that a lot of people want to hear because oh. Because most dentists go into, they want to be in healthcare, yeah, yeah. but they don't want to work crazy hours yeah. and they don't want to have confrontation with people. And so that's oh. why they choose dentistry, right? 
Um, and, and so it's, it's a tricky thing. I want to point out and just my personal experience, right? So my dad, my dad owned a practice. He worked eight to five Monday through Thursday. Friday was, was business time. My brother graduated from, from dental school and my brother immediately took on, and my dad had a small amount of growth. I mean, he was just a single, I could, it was a three chair practice. They remodeled the practice. My brother joined my brother date mainly did evenings and weekends Good. and we blew up <laughs> and, yeah. and, and now, we, and, and now we, we offer evenings and weekends, hygienist work evenings and weekends. We have associates that are there. My brother's, my brother owns the practice, does not work the evenings and weekends, but he has associates that do. How many chairs and do you have now? We have eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, so as, as unpopular as it is to work oh. evenings and weekends, I have seen it personally of like what it can do to the growth of your oh, practice. Okay. And somebody, I, I right out of hygiene school. That's all I worked was evenings and weekends. And I, and I worked one Saturday a month forever for, for 16 years, because honestly, and truly the patients are better. Yeah, they are. They're so they're much wealthier, more fun. Better educated. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're so appreciative that you're there on the weekend. Yeah. They're, they just, they, I don't, I, it was just a totally different vibe. They're not worried about yeah. Yeah. after work or missing a meeting because you're running. Yeah. They're like, also yeah. just not super worried about, they're money. just less worried about money. Right. So yeah. you just, uh. You don't, have to tip more to, money. you don't have to tiptoe around what you're trying to, what you want to, what they should do. Like, yeah. I mean, you have to present the treatment always, but you don't have to tiptoe around it as much when you're talking to someone who comes in on the nights and weekends. And I noticed that as, as a hygienist, I was so much more relaxed on the weekends and, and, and nights when I was working. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, universally though, Katie, you understand this, I think, but we have to pay all staff more money to work the weekends. Because exactly. that's not the, yes. That's not the end the evenings. Cause that's not when they, what they expected in, yeah. in their career to have to do, but this, the marketplace has shifted by all ways we can define it shifted real radically over the last, particularly 20 years. And, you know, we just, this is the way the market is. And we're not going to try to sell a, a great steak dinner at three o'clock in the afternoon. This is, it's got to be when the marketplace wants to come in. We can't fight the marketplace. They don't trust dentists the way they used to, unfortunately, as well. And I know I'm the bearer of bad news, but we have study after study after study. And our studies over the last 15 years have been done in conjunction with uh, Northwestern University's Graduate School of Integrated Marketing and Communications. And we got the best interns in the world come through with the deans and so forth come through. They really don't know anything about dentistry, but they do a lot of research and they're pretty non-biased. They come up with this data that you know, it's pretty accurate. And the reason we know it's pretty accurate is because it comes up the same way exactly when it's asked year over year, the same using the same methodology. And we apply the findings from the research uh, into the practices. And if practice conforms with our recommendations, they grow way beyond their wildest expectations. But like you alluded to guys, we're not telling them what they want to hear. We're telling them what they need to hear. And, you know, we're not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, Tinkerbell. I'm gonna say, oh, <laughs> go go do a little dance out there, and you'll have all these magic patients, or you'll have all you'll have is thirty thousand dollar cases all day long. It just doesn't exist anymore for yeah. a lo- long list of reasons, which uh, I'm happy to go into, but it would waste too much time. Well, we'll have you. Well, we definitely need to have him on again, and we'll, <laughs> I would love to do a, a, a full webinar with you, an hour long would be great. Will you Fun tie? Time. 
for those for those that have been watching, they're they've seen this little this little tie in this this amazing quote here for us. Well, we just don't want these guys to get you know get their have their life expectations slide behind them. Um, We don't want to have them miss out on this opportunity, huge opportunity to really well right now, uh, really really well right now, uh, not have to be in the chair, Um, but. You know, sure, you can sell your practice and get a bunch of money, but, you know, you're going to live another 30 years. What if your practice was giving you increasing amounts of money each of those 30 years and you don't have to pay taxes on it because you got a good accountant and your asset 30 years from now will be 30 times bigger and and then you sold? Wouldn't that be a better life? So that's that's kind of our view. Yeah, he's got this. He has this quote up for those that are listening that says, hell is truth seen too late. Yeah. Which is, which is very true. By Thomas Hobbes, one of my yes. favorite philosophers. Yeah. Um, well, so John, we asked the same question. We asked the sure. same question at the end of the podcast to everyone, just to ever, it means something different to everyone. So, what does growth in dentistry mean to John Christensen? Growth in dentistry for the practice means that it's very likely that these dear friends and clients of ours aren't going to have to kill themselves anymore, and they're going to be able to have increased incomes without having to actually touch a patient unless they want to. They want to, fine, but I don't want them to have them, you know, shackled to the chair. I want to have them give the opportunity to spend time with their families and and, and keep their sanity and uh, keep their health. Really, health is a big issue. With so many clients, we see a lot of health issues, and it's very unpleasant. I don't like it. So growth means giving them the opportunity to really prosper and take care of the public better because, you know, without getting in a huge uh, discussion of the health benefits of going to the dentist. They are significant. So we're helping out the public, helping out these practices and having a lot of fun at the same time. So growth is, that's what it's all about. That's really cool. Yeah. Really cool. Well, this has been growth in dentistry, a dental intelligence podcast. And thank you so much for John Christensen from Chris ad for joining us, John, if they want to contact you, how do they do that? Well, you can text me. You know, I'm just, uh, you know, maybe you think I'm inaccessible, but I'm not. It's really important that I answer questions myself on my cell phone, which is, which I can't show you because I can't. Oh, yeah. I'll, yeah. Go ahead. Just It's 415-300-6388. And we'll make sure to put that on our show notes as well so that cool. people have access to that. And cool. you can also uh, find that information in, um, on dentalintel.com. So thank you, Good. Adam, for joining me today. And thank you to our marketing department for all their work on this podcast. I'm Katie Polson. Keep growing.